After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots in the for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Quite a while ago, I was talking with a girl named Sarah. Um, With the work that Ted and I do, sometimes we have people reach out to us just wanting a little bit of input, a little bit of feedback. She had a huge vision for an awesome nonprofit idea, and I was excited for her. I wanted to just ask a few questions and see how it could go. And what I've learned over the years is there are some people who ask questions who want feedback, and there are some people who ask questions who want you to say yes. I'm a feedback person. She wanted a yes person. (laughs) We didn't talk after that. (laughs) It was hard because my heart was to just kind of see how they were going, what the vision was, you know, just kind of the basic things getting off the ground. And um, I think sometimes as nonprofit leaders, it's easy, it's easy to fall into the trap of just wanting the nonprofit, just wanting to have the success, just wanting to have already arrived. And when those questions come up, if you don't have the right people around you helping you figure them out, it can be kind of daunting and scary. And, and it was hard to this day. I still don't know that her nonprofit is officially started. I still mm. don't know that it got off the ground. I know that she got some people around her, um, but... I don't think it's accomplished the vision that she has, and I don't think that's on the path to accomplish the vision that she talked about. And so today we're going to talk about how to actually find good counsel and how to find good accountability um, outside of yourself, especially as a nonprofit leader, because the roles that we hold are so unique and so weird and so different that we need people who won't just push back a little bit, but will push back in a kind and caring way and in the right and wise way. And on the other side of the coin with this, too, it's really tempting as a nonprofit leader to just try to do it yourself or to just feel like you're kind of alone and you're sort of trudging this new path through uncharted territory. And in the process, you just get focused on doing it, forgetting that there are so many people who have worked in the same problems that you're working on right now who have that you could learn from and fast track your success by learning from them, by having someone else to hold you accountable besides just yourself and just your vision, uh, to have people to really partner with and link arms with who aren't necessarily in your organization Mm -hmm. or maybe even directly connected to your organization, but people that are from the outside looking in, able to give you that perspective and not just to have any people do that, but the right people to do Mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. Um, As we've worked in different nonprofit capacities and worked with nonprofit leaders, it's interesting how often um, everyone wants their problems to be unique. It's like, you don't understand. This is something only we deal with. (laughs) And over the years, we've come to realize that all nonprofits have different problems, and yet they're almost always the same problems. (laughs) And so when you start getting it in your head, I am alone. My nonprofit is the only one that deals with this issue in this capacity with this specific group of people. And we spend so much time trying to make our problems unique that we end up putting ourselves on an island. It gets incredibly, incredibly lonely. Um, I've actually noticed the same thing for entrepreneurs as well. Um, mm-hmm. 
that sometimes we just want to be so unique that we end up cutting ourselves off from the people who could actually <laughs> relate to what it is that we're dealing with and what we're going through. Yeah, we end up accidentally purposefully stranding ourselves on a desert island, yeah. <laughs> just hoping for a passing ship to go by when it's like, you, you didn't have to go to that island in the first place, dude. <laughs> you could just totally have, have uh, recognized the fact that you're not alone from mm-hmm. the get-go and find some people to surround yourself with. So, I mean, we've been through this process several times looking for mentors, looking for accountability partners, looking for people who are going to push us, ask us the right questions, people that we trust, all of that stuff. And so we're just going to kind of have a conversation about what we have done to find the right people and also to like kind of escort out the the wrong people mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the right counsel is so important. You don't Absolutely. want people that are going to give you bad advice or people who are going to give you no advice. Mm-hmm. Both of those are dangerous. Yeah. Um, do you want do you have any ideas on how to start or else I can jump in? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll go ahead right away. Uh, first one is trust. There has to be an amount of trust there that if they say to do something that is outside your comfort zone or that you're kind of like, I don't know if that you have to trust that they know enough of what they're talking about and that they have the good of your organization and your good at heart. Mm -hmm. If that trust is there, you know that they're competent, that they care about you and they care about your organization and its vision, then you can actually bring them into that circle of giving you counsel a little bit. I mean, there are more criteria, but right away that trust has to be there. Otherwise it's useless. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's a friend, you know, it's somebody you can go hang out with, you know, kind of shoot the breeze or whatever. But if you want somebody who's going to give you counsel and is going to hold you accountable, they need to have that trust quality there in, in, in like blazing orange color. Mm -hmm. Like it really needs to be a huge piece of that relationship. Yeah. And keep in mind too, that having that trust there, there is a difference between a trust Uh, for someone to have input in your organization and the trust that you have with someone that you're going to go hang out with and really like spill what's going on in your life with. Um, Sometimes people are like, I can only ask people who speak into my organization who I trust on a deep personal level. And a lot of times those people aren't the same people because they have different skill sets, they have different abilities, they have different backgrounds. And so you have to recognize what type of trust you need with the person. Like I have a super good friend of mine who I wouldn't necessarily get advice from for entrepreneur stuff, but it's not because I don't trust her. I trust her a ton, but I recognize that the area that she's the most gifted in just doesn't line up with the entrepreneurship area that I'm working in. But she's the kind of friend that you can spill your guts and say, oh, this is the hard stuff that I'm going through in life. And she's not going to just be like, oh, poor Lisa, but she's going to like help you actually recover. So Mm -hmm. she has skills or you have trust with her in an area that's like on a personal level going to help you grow as a person um, where we have other people that we have put into our circle when it comes to leading helping us lead organizations that we will go to with specific issues how do we deal with this how do we grow here how do we uh, wrangle some of these volunteers over here we have people that Mm -hmm. we have put in our lives to help us with those things Mm mm-hmm Um, I think another big one for me that has especially become like super high priority in the last couple of years is someone who brings peace. Like that Mm. might sound weird from like outside counsel and mentorship and like that kind of area. Um, I used to always want the person who was like super big thinker. We're going to go crush it. We're going to go do this and this and this. But I found myself getting very, very stressed out on a consistent basis. And eventually 
We started finding people who brought joy into the situation, who would coach us and be like, but guys, this is fun. But we can do this. Look at what we're doing. Isn't it cool that we get to accomplish it? And we can, like, change things and build this. Um, but then also they had a certain level of peace where they were going to work really, really, really hard. But that hard work wasn't going to spill over into negativity or mm -hmm. stress or depression or, you know. And those are things that we struggle with as people. So I don't want to say, like, if someone's having a hard day to not trust them. <laughs> but... I have had some people who want to give me advice who want me to just like panic and put everything else on the back burner and forget about my kids and just run after the thing. <laughs> and then I've had other people come in and say, all right, if you made your schedule a little bit like this or this volunteer team, if you structured it like this, it actually removes weight from your shoulders and it makes something organized that you can just simply continue to maintain over time. And it becomes like this system and this... um rhythm of leadership and the rhythm means that you can have a rhythm with your family and there's like this level of just calm and peace that wise mentorship brings into your life because they recognize that in order to sustain leadership long term you can't burn yourself out in the short term and so that used to be something especially in my 20s when I was like I don't need that I can just run full force at whatever I want <laughs> where now with a little bit more wisdom and a little bit more age I highly, highly, highly value someone who is able to look into my situation and advise me toward wisdom and advise me toward peace for the long term. Well, because running a nonprofit organization or, or a socialpreneur organization that's going to be helping nonprofits is not a short-term game. Mm -hmm. It's a long-term game. You have to learn how to pace yourself. You have to learn how to have peace and be able to enjoy your life in the process so you don't quit in five years because mm -hmm. the organizations that are accomplishing the most have longevity. Yes. And so their leaders need to have longevity. Mm -hmm. And so when you have people in your corner that are cheering you on, be careful that they're not the people who are egging you on and getting you to do stuff that is unhealthy <laughs> for your family unhealthy for your business, unhealthy for your organization. Or because unhealthy in the short for term, the people you're leading. Or, or Yeah, or unhealthy for the people you're leading. Because in the short term, you might see short-term benefits from going 150% at something. But in the long term, you're burning this whole thing out. And it's gonna you're going to look back in 10 years and be like, wow, I could have accomplished so much more if the organization was still around mm -hmm. versus pushing so hard in these specific ways without peace. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That is so good. Yeah. Another thing that I'm always looking for and I'm looking for um, mentors or people that we're going to have in our corner is people who are practitioners, not just theorists. Yes. <laughs> I look yes. For, like so earlier I said competence. And what I mean by competence isn't that they know a lot of big words or that they've studied it a lot, although those things can be helpful. Well, maybe not the big words thing. I think that's stupid. <laughs> it doesn't help if you don't know the big words, too. You're just like, okay. Right. Uh, but I'm talking about practitioners, people who have a tried and true uh, track record of having run an organization, worked with volunteers, or uh, grown in certain ways, have had success with social media stuff. Like, you can find gurus on just about anything. Right. You can find, you know, if you're running a nonprofit, you can find people that say, here's how you grow volunteer base. Right. You can find those people. You can pay them money, whatever. But if they're not 
a practitioner and actually doing it, mm-hmm. I would be like very, very careful about putting resources, money, but especially your time into learning from someone who's just a theoretician, the- theorist, whatever. Somebody who just operates on theory rather than actual results. So much for those big words. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I need someone with small words, right? But so that's what I'm looking for. And I do that by kind of digging in a little bit and maybe... Maybe maybe it's a little light stocking, but I mean, I'll look at <laughs> I'll look at like what have they done? How, what have they accomplished? You know, who have they impacted? And then take a look at like, OK, is, was that legit or is that something that's just puffed up numbers? Like, for example, just because someone's a New York Times bestselling author doesn't mean much anymore because apparently there are ways to game the system. If you <laughs> like, have enough money, you can buy it. <laughs> right. So I'm like, let's see if there are other ways to find out if this person knows what they're talking about from a practitioner standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I, then, and then you know, finding ways to bring them in. A lot of times, the people who have the practitioner um, in their back pocket, like that's what they are, a lot of times they cost money, and that's okay. Like mm-hmm. you have to recognize that they have done it. They have earned the right to charge for their time, and it's worth mm-hmm. it for you to pay for their time. Yeah. And part of that, a lot of times, is that they want to charge you because they just want to make money. Although that is, I mean, they have to pay the bills too. Um, But a lot of it is someone who has been a practitioner and who has the experience probably has quite a few people reaching out to them, asking for their time and asking for advice. And it is... They're still doing stuff too. They mm -hmm. need to justify taking time away from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like whatever they spend with one leader, they're not spending with other leaders Um, And what's really, really hard is when you have someone come to you and say, I just want advice and you take the time to do it and they go away and a month later they come back and they're like, hey, can we meet again? And you meet with them again and they're going through the exact same issue because they never took your advice. And there's something about, you know, recognizing for yourself, if you put resources into it, whether it's an amount of time helping them with a project um, or maybe some cash or whatever that could look like, the amount of, um, of your self or your resources that you put into it um, is really going to determine what you get out of it. Now, it's not always mm. the case. I'm not saying go online and find the most expensive person. Because um, then you'll get the most out of it. <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time, if you're someone who's like, they should just help me, I don't want to take them out for lunch and I'm not going to buy their food. And why would I do that? That seems like a waste. They should just help me for free. Like that attitude alone is a huge indicator that even if you ask them the questions that you want to ask them, are you really going to be open to what they have to say? And are you really looking for feedback or are you looking for someone to meet you on your schedule with your deadlines to tell you what you already want to hear? Yeah. And this is a pride thing that's tough because a lot of uh, us leaders have, you know, just like a little bit of like a narcissist in us or like a little bit of like pride in us or a little bit of... We just want to, like, be the the hero, you know? Like, we have that in us, and it can be really tough to get over ourselves sometimes and to recognize this isn't about me. This is about the cause. Mm-hmm. And it means that I'm going to have to humble myself and recognize that sometimes somebody's time is worth more than my time. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're saying when you pay somebody for their time or you take them out to lunch. Yep. Their time is worth more than mine. That's hard to admit sometimes. Even, yeah, like there are some people that like, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to admit. Like there are people who I know are smarter than me and to, you know, say to myself like, yep, their time is more valuable than mine. Um, Yeah. 
not I mean, fun to a, say, but it's true. But I mean, we recognize it. I mean, every, pretty much everybody's heard the whole like, if Bill Gates stops to pick up a twenty dollar bill on the on the road, he actually loses money because that I amount of time that. that it, you know why? Why? Because if Bill Gates stopped on the sidewalk for half a second to pick up the $20 bill, it's not like he's taking the $20 over the amount of money he's making behind okay. the scenes. Theoretically, let's say he's everything making the gets amount pushed. of money plus $20. What they're, what they're saying is if you push the pause button on all of the ways that he earns money to pick up 20 bucks, he makes up he makes more than $20 in that amount of time. Is what yes. they're trying to say. Theoretically, and I know that it's stupid, but it's the same basic principle. Okay. But His time is worth so much. It is. I do have to say, part of the reason I get irritated at that quote, because that was an unjustified reaction, unless I tell you, um, is I've heard leaders use that as a way mm. to justify not doing something small because they think they're too good for it. Wow. And you just that put me is in my unacceptable place. leadership behavior. And this is why I allow Lisa into my circle of people who <laughs> challenges me and makes me feel, you know, small and insignificant. I'm just kidding. And this is why, yeah. <laughs> I don't no. do that to you. No, you don't. But um, it, it is so important, though, to to recognize that it is going to be a humbling experience to put somebody who really knows what they're doing mm -hmm. into your corner to help you. This means it's going to be a really humbling experience to ask people to be a part of your board of directors. It's going to be a really humbling experience to ask uh, business owners who are making a lot of money to donate to your organization mm -hmm. these people their time is worth a lot of money and their time is very important to them they're they're doing the things they do to create time for themselves <laughs> you have to make it worth it and you, you have, have to, to honor that if you yep. treat the amount of money someone is making because you want some of it as um like i'm gonna downplay it because i don't want to feel like you yeah. know, like I'm just gonna I'm gonna diminish what I think your accomplishes accomplishments are, so that then you'll feel more obligated to give to me, which I've had people do to me. Um, <laughs> it does not go well, and they will forever remember that. Like there's a certain amount of just a humble, like respect of hey, I recognize your time is valuable. Thank you for meeting with me. This is what I'm looking for. Will you help me? And mm -hmm. like that just has to be part of the conversation. Um, let's trans. Oh, do you have another? No, one? keep going. I was gonna say, let's transition quick. We know what to be looking for with people. How do you find them, though? Like, it's a good question. What has been the way that you have found some of your best um, outside counsel or people who are willing to walk with you through leadership? Well, you know, every once in a while you get lucky and you just know somebody who you're like, wow, this is the person. Like, I just already know them. But chances are you're gonna have to go outside of your circle to find a few, right? Because you probably want more than one. Mm -hmm. Like Lisa was saying earlier, they're going to have different specialties, different things they're good at anyway. So you're going to want to have a few different, you're going to want to kind of diversify the uh, skills and the experiences that they have. But the way that I have always kind of found it is by just kind of going through the people that I know, not to the people that I know. I talk to them about who are your mentors? Who do you listen to? I remember uh, when we really got going with this podcast you know, that was through somebody that I knew who was very influential and awesome. And she and she recommended that we reach out to this other person. Mm -hmm. And it was like a couple degrees of separation with the person who then gave us all of the information to be able to run this podcast the way that we wanted to do it. And um, that's how we found that right was through people and just kind of saying, like, who do you know who does X? Mm -hmm. Chances are the person that's going to come to their mind is not someone who's bad at it. <laughs> 
Right. They're they're probably going to like at least throw out a couple names. Then you can start to do some research. Yeah. That's one way that I've always done it. How about you? Yeah. Ask a lot of questions. Um, One great way that I found, I found an organization that just supported um, women in ministry at the time. Um, And they had small groups, like online virtual small groups that met once a month. Um, And I had some people in my life who I tell them them about it and they'd be like, oh, I don't want to commit to once a month. Like, well, you're also telling me you're lonely. Like, you <laughs> know, this, can't is, be this is kind of a way that you're like guaranteed some sort of community if you want it. Well, I joined one and I think I stayed in for not a super long amount of time. It just wasn't the right fit. Like I wasn't connecting with the women. Um, the group leader was great. Um, I really liked her, but it just like the vibe of the group wasn't right for me. Um, it's just a lot of them ended up being women who wanted to actually be full-time uh, in vocational ministry, pretty much all of them, and they all had to work. Um, they all had to be working, so they weren't able to do that, where I didn't want that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I like what I'm doing. And so it just it wasn't quite for me, and that was fine. And I ended up trying a different group rather than just saying, well, that didn't work. I'm like, this is working for people. I'm going to find my people. And I ended up joining a different group, and the leader of that group is someone that to this day, it's been 10 years probably, she is the person that we go to when we need advice mm-hmm. and literal counsel. <laughs> like, like we'll meet with her and just be like, all right, here's what's going on. What are you seeing? What can we be doing better? Um, but over the time, she's someone who originally I was like, oh, I like this group. I like her. And as time progressed, I realized any time that we're in a pivotal moment, she has so much wisdom and she's been consistently right over the years that the trust has been built up in a way where now if we go to her and we say, what should we do? If she says, take a left, we're taking a left. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because we've seen that she is consistent and that what she says works. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know someone or if you can't get someone through someone that you know, I'd say find some sort of organization connected to what you're doing. Even if it's just a general, we have small groups for nonprofit leaders and just try out a few and see if you can find a group that you can connect with and just start building those relationships. And mm-hmm. those people will know people too. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. Those people will know people who know people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got to dig a little bit to find the right fit for what you're looking for. Um, but we need different types of uh, accountability in our lives. We need different types of mentorship and all of that. So having... Uh, a large pool of people to kind of choose from we can re- we can go like hey you know what we really need someone in our corner right now who is just investing in us when it comes to growing funding mm-hmm. and someone who is a practitioner of it they have done a lot of really good uh, raising of funds they are somebody that we trust they're somebody that we like the way they do it they don't just like make people feel guilty all the time or like whatever right so being in some kind of environment where you can find those people, whether that's going to conferences mm-hmm. for, for your nonprofit or for just things in kind of your industry and area. Um, it never hurts to reach out. Sometimes you might feel like you're you're like, oh, this person doesn't have time for me. Shoot an email. Try making a phone call. They may have just had somebody who stopped being a a mentee to them and maybe they're looking for someone to mentor and you call Mm -hmm. at the right time you never know don't count yourself out but also humble yourself enough to recognize they know what they're doing (laughs) it reminds me of like watching kitchen nightmares with with um 
Dave Ramsey, because they'll have him come in. No, no. Gordon. Gor- Dave Ramsey. <laughs> That's financial nightmares. Not the same. Similar. Gord, thank you. Gordon Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. Oh, that would be funny, though. Like, switch him up, have Gordon Ramsey giving people some financial advice, and have Dave going in trying to tell people how to cut onions. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but anyway, it's like they invite him in to come and, like, fix their restaurant, and they won't listen to his advice. And it's like, no wonder he's swearing at you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like that is that's got to be so frustrating they did the thing and oh. got the right people but they didn't prepare themselves to be able to handle it yeah like, that's a oh. huge issue oh my gosh <laughs> dave ramsey <cutting laughs> classic <laughs> yeah, was screaming at people anyway <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> anyway we got one big question for you to think <laughs> about this week and that is what is one area where you need accountability from another person that you're not already getting it mm-hmm. let that roll around in your head a little bit and think how can i find someone to put in my corner for that maybe it's somebody that you know that would be great at all you need to do is ask maybe you need to take somebody out for lunch maybe you need to ask some people who they know but either way if you got questions about that and you'd like to come uh, you'd like to ask us you can always send us an email at office at legacybuildersintl.com Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com. 